Welcome to church. <laughs> this is week number 11 in our new normal. I'll be glad when I don't have to say that anymore. Uh, thanks for watching with us. It's May 24th, 2020. Today we're going to talk about one of the hardest things to deal with as a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm striving to live obediently, stay close to Jesus. Uh, I'm daily working at making Jesus the priority of my life, when out of nowhere, seemingly, the bottom drops out of my life. Uh, my boss tells me, you know what, I'm going to have to let you go. My health takes a hit. My future becomes uncertain. Uh, one of my children, perhaps, suddenly takes a, a walk away from their faith. They begin living life, eating with the pigs as a prodigal. Perhaps uh, a significant relationship goes sour, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be fixable. Uh, my foundation is shaken by a pandemic, and my lifelong struggle with fear and worry all of a sudden has gasoline poured on it. And then I look around. Here, here's the problem. Then I look around at people who are actively living in rebellion to Jesus and God's Word, and they could care less about the cross or church or faith or God's Word. And it seems like everything they touch is golden. <laughs> their children get free rides to college. Uh, they not only don't lose their job, uh, they get a raise and a promotion and a bonus. Um, the folks who are living far from God seem to be in great physical condition, even though I know for a fact... <laughs> They smoke like a chimney and they drink like crazy. It seems like everybody adores these people and wants to be their friends. And I'm here all alone. I'm giving them my all. I'm actively staying committed to Christ, serving in the church. I, I give of my time, talent, and treasure to the Lord. I'm daily digging into God's Word. I'm attempting to live strong for Jesus. And now my life has crashed and burned. And the folks around me, uh, they're lukewarm, they're cold for Christ, or even agnostic and atheist, and they appear to be doing just fine. Thank you very much. There's a psalm written by King David's music director. He was the Pastor Andy, uh, Pastor Josh, uh, Brittany in the day. His name was Asaph, and that's the theme of this psalm that we're going to look at today. Lord, I've been busting my tail to live for you and serve you, and now my life is in shambles and I'm struggling, Lord, because I'm looking around at all the people around me and they don't want anything to do with you and they seem to be doing just great. It appears they've got the world by the tail and the wind at their backs. And Asaph, David's choir director, says quite bluntly, that just doesn't seem fair, Lord. It feels unjust. This, this feels really messed up. Locate with me, if you would, please, Psalm 73 on your phone, in your Bibles. Asaph is going to be real honest and blunt and raw with the Lord with how unjust and unfair life seems to be. You can stand right now with me if you need a stretch. I invite you to read along with me. Or you can listen as I read the first 16 verses of Psalm 73. 
Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how, how, could, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I've kept my pure heart and washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I'd spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for uh, giving us Psalm 73. It really is a gift from you. And we acknowledge right now, Lord, from our limited perspective, oftentimes, Lord, uh, in our frail and puny minds, we, we think just like Asaph did here. We look at life circumstances and situations, and we just say, honestly, it doesn't seem fair. So we're grateful, Lord, that you gave us your perspective. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your input regarding what's going on around us. Thank you for being awesome and all-knowing. Thank you for having a plan and a purpose. And I pray especially right now for those who are struggling, who are hurting with situations that are hard and painful. And Lord, probably if we're honest, some of us feel like it's unfair. It's unjust. We yield now to the third person of the Trinity. May your spirit have freedom to work in our hearts, adjust our minds, our attitudes. Lord, would you bring some healing to our damaged feelings and hurts? We, we need you right now as we study your book. And all the church family watching together said with one united voice, say it with me, amen. I'm currently... Uh, dealing with something called a retinal vein occlusion, um, which really just means I've got a, a vein in my right eye that's being squeezed or compressed by an artery. Doc says probably you were born with this condition, um, which means that the blood flowing into my right eye is greater than the blood flowing out of my right eye which leaves some pooling of blood. And for me, that means my vision in my right eye is pretty blurry. It's pretty cloudy and fuzzy there in my right eye. I, I tell you this for two reasons. First, <laughs> I'd love for you, when you think about it, would you pray for this eye uh, occlusion to clear up? I go on Tuesday for shot number five, and, and I'd love 
that, that the Lord might use uh, the human doctor as the great physician to bring some healing to that. Second reason I tell you this is because just like my vision is fuzzy and cloudy and unclear, uh, I'm convinced that Asaph has spiritual retinal vein occlusion going on here in Psalm chapter 73. Uh, his vision of life is cloudy and blurry and fuzzy and impaired. And he's struggling because he's looking short term at everything that's going on around him. And he's thinking right now, this isn't fair. But it's all short term stuff. He's lost sight of the long term perspective. Uh, he, he can't see. Down the road uh, is fuzzy and unclear and cloudy. He was so focused on what he saw around him that he lost sight of what was coming down the road in the future. Psalm 73, here's, here's the big takeaway, if you will. If we don't get a proper perspective on life, life often feels really unfair. Uh, th that's a pretty common thing. If, if you're cloudy in your vision, you're going to feel oftentimes life isn't fair. Because short term, it's true. Oftentimes, we're feeling hurt and unjust things and uncertain times and it's scary and it just doesn't feel fair. We're seeing things with spiritual retinal vein occlusion is what I'm telling you. When life doesn't seem fair and we get all focused on the short term, what I see around me, it leads to things like frustration. It leads to things like impatience and discouragement. And if you're already prone to worry and fear, it just gets multiplied. The gasoline gets poured on. If you're prone to anger when life is unfair, it just, it just multiplies. And that even leads to things like depression and despair. My spiritual perspective, my spiritual vision oftentimes gets cloudy and fuzzy and blurry short term. We've got to think long-term. That's what we're going to learn here. Verse 1, Psalm 73. Something that both Asaph and most of us who grew up in church have been taught and believed. Here's what it says. Verse 1, surely God is good to Israel. Surely God is good to those who are pure in heart. And we'd say, yeah, I understand that. Keep your heart pure. Stay right with the Lord your God. Live strong and daily for, for, for your God, and the Lord in return will be good to you. That's, that's often what we think. Well, well, if I do my part, then he'll do his part, and God will shower me with goodness and blessings and grace. Do you understand? We believe that, that if I stay right with the Lord my God, then surely He's going to do his part. It's like an unspoken agreement. Uh, I, I'll live for you, Jesus, and then you bless me and protect me. That, that's the unspoken agreement that we often have. But verse 2, suddenly there's a disconnect with, with that thinking. Uh, verse 2, what Asaph and most of us have been taught and believed, suddenly the reality doesn't match, and suddenly now... Uh, my perspective 
is not going so well. Here's what it says, verse 2. But as for me, but as for me, my feet had slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Uh, suddenly now uh, I'm on black ice and, and I'm slipping. Why? Because this agreement isn't going well. There's a disconnect. Uh, was messing with my faith. And what was it that was messing with Asaph's faith? What was it that messes with our faith when suddenly now, hey, I thought if I do my part, then you bless and protect me. What exactly is going on? Verse 3, here's what he says. Because I, I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They're having no struggles. Their bodies are healthy. They're strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by, by human ills. They're, they're proud. Pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. They've got callous hearts of iniquity, evil imaginations with no limits. They scoff. They speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. The problem is that Asaph's theology said this, these folks who turn their backs on the Lord and His Word, they should be miserable. <laughs> that, that's, that's the theology he had believed. People who want nothing to do with the God of the Bible, God the Father, Son, and Spirit, they should be miserable. They should be living in the mud and the manure of life. Instead, uh, Asaph looks around and these heathens and agnostics are flourishing. They seem to be doing great. And, and now he says, and these are awful people. Look how he describes these prospering people. They're proud and full of themselves. They're violent. They've got hard hearts. They've got evil minds. They've got wicked lips. And look at the result of all of their proud, violent ways. Verse 10. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. Uh, Asaph can't believe it. The, these people are actually applauding these fools. They buy their books. They flock to their podcasts. They, they binge on their Netflix shows. They put their songs on repeat on their playlists. They even vote them into office. <laughs> Asaph is shocked. Millions of people are turning to, to these pagans by the millions and lapping up and drinking their polluted water. Verse 11, they even drink their messed up views on God Almighty. Uh, they say, how, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? They're, they're even questioning the existence of God Almighty. And then they doubt the truth of God's Word, the Bible. And then they question the faith of those of us who put our trust in the Lord and serve Him. Asaph isn't done. He continues with his honest, heartfelt rant. Uh, verse 12, this is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They just go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. Surely in vain I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. If I'd spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. 
Asaph's complaint, these evildoers seem to be faring better than the God-fearers. That's his complaint. Why is it, God, that these evil, wicked people seem actually to be doing better than those of us who are fearing you? He's perplexed. He's baffled. He's confused by the unfairness of what he's seeing with his eyes. I, I don't get it. I'm looking around, and honestly, this is what I see, God. Verse 17 is the turning point. Okay? The, the focus now of Asaph's eyes suddenly is not on the ungodly around him. He, he's suddenly not looking at those who seem to be prospering and living far away from Jehovah God. Verse 17 till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destination. You get it? Till I finally entered the sanctuary of God. Then finally understanding. I, I get where they're going to be headed. Suddenly now, the long-term perspective begins to take root. Uh, Asaph's eyes were locked on the, the people around him, and he was envious and confused and slipping in his faith. And note, he enters the sanctuary of God, runs boldly to the throne of grace, and this is huge. Asaph took his doubts to the Lord, and understanding and new perspective was given. So, so you got that? So when he takes his doubts and his confusion to the Lord, suddenly he, he has new eyes. He has a vision now from God's perspective is given. He runs to the Lord. He seeks God's mind, lays out his trouble, his complaint before God, and note with me how his attitude turns. Verse 18, surely you place them, the wicked, those who are, are rebellious against you, you place the wicked uh, on slippery ground. Remember earlier, I'm on slippery ground. Suddenly I realize they're the ones who, who are on slippery black ice. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. <laughs> They're like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you'll despise them as fantasies. You see, when Asaph's eyes, his focus is on his God instead of the present of what's going on around him and the ungodly, he has an attitude adjustment. When he, when he suddenly now is focused on the Lord his God, suddenly he remembers, oh yeah, it was Pharaoh who had his land uh, ravaged by the, the plagues. It was Pharaoh's chariots that were anchored to the bottom of the Red Sea. Um, it was Jezebel who literally became dog food. Um, it was Absalom in rebellion against his father David who wound up hanging in a tree by his hair. Uh, it was Herod Agrippa who in his pride was eaten by worms. It was Judas Iscariot hanging on a tree and is cut down and his body burst like a ripe watermelon. It was uh, Adolf Hitler who blew his brains out in the end. It was Saddam Hussein hanging at the end of a rope. Suddenly now, the Lord reveals to Asaph, no, the wicked 
the evildoers don't get a free ride. And often, they face awful consequences for their behavior here on earth. Uh, he, he recognizes, you know what, my thinking, my view, my sight was distorted and cloudy, and, and it was really fuzzy, and now I'm starting to see from your perspective, God, verse 21, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a brute beast before you. Yet, you know what, Lord? Verse 23, I'm always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Afterwards, you'll take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. I love this verse. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Verse 23, he's got a lot of good things to say once he gets God's perspective. Lord, even when I'm messed up, even when my focus was blurry and I was complaining and saying it's unfair, you were always right there at my side. Verse 24, you promised to guide me today and tomorrow you're going to take me into glory with you. This isn't the end. Verse 25, he asks a really great question. Look at verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? Who else is there in the universe ultimately besides you, Lord? Nothing I desire compares with you. Asaph realizes and remembers nothing in life is more important than knowing and walking with and having a relationship with his God. We would say Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Psalm 63, 1. My soul thirsts for you, Jesus. You're my rock in a dry and a weary land, living water. I drink daily. Now, I just want to pause here. Uh, verse 27, uh, he's come a long way. This is how he concludes this psalm. Those who are far from you, they're going to perish. Those who are far from you, they're going to be destroyed. All who are unfaithful to you. Do you remember how he started? He was looking around short-term, fuzzy, out-of-focus, blurry perspective, and he's looking around and he's envious of them. And now he says, you know what? I was envying, but now I've come full circle. Now I feel sorry for them. I am sad for those who reject Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb. I shouldn't be envying them. I should feel pity for them and be praying for them. Do you understand? His eyes go from the present to the future. Short term, life often seems to be unfair. Long term view, <laughs> I'm not envying them anymore. Lord, actually, I feel bad for them. Final verse, verse 28, Psalm 73. But as for me, it's good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I'll tell of all your deeds. Isn't that a good conclusion? Fitting conclusion to this psalm. He says there's two essentials to life, and, and those essentials are still true today. You want a victorious life? He says, first of all, I resolve more than anything else, I'm going to live near my God. I'm going to make walking daily with Jesus 
the priority and the passion of my life. I'm determined I'm going to make you, Jesus, my daily refuge. And if I would say there's one essential to the Christian life, it's to determine I'm going to daily make up my mind. That's the priority. More than anything else, that's the passion. You're going to be my daily refuge. So on the good days when things are going great, I'm going to walk with you. And then especially through the hard and the painful times, Jesus, I'm going to draw close and abide and daily drink deeply from you. Essential number one. Essential number two, he says, uh, I'm going to tell of your deeds. I'm going to tell everybody around me as you bring me opportunity. I'm going to tell everybody how awesome you are, Jesus, and how much you've done in my life, how much you're doing, and how much I have in store. Lord, Lord I'm going to make it an essential. Every opportunity I get, I'm going to talk about you to everybody you bring my way. Here's what I know to be true. Just as the Lord brought Asaph through a confusing, fearful, doubting, that's not unfair time, if you'll get your eyes off the chaos, off the unfairness, if you'll get your eyes off of this present stuff going around you, and if you'll get your eyes and your focus back on Jesus and run daily to Him with your burdens and your pain and your questions, here's what I know. He'll give you the very same grace and mercy that he gives to Asaph here. He, he'll, he'll clear up that cloud, that, that, that fuzziness uh, that's going on in his eyes. And he'll give that very same grace and, and mercy, that new perspective to you and to me. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for Psalm 73. Thank you, Lord. It reminds us of where we should be putting our eyes, shifting our gaze when life feels unfair. And I suspect right now, for many who are watching right now, it feels like life's not fair. Uh, there's pain, there's confusion, and we can identify with how Asaph was feeling. Lord, would you help us to learn the lesson that uh, Asaph learns here? Would you help us, Lord, to come running in the middle of our pain and our confusion, running to you? Lord, would you help us to take our eyes off of the ungodly and the wicked around us and help us, Lord, to set our eyes on you and bring our trouble and our confusion to you? And Lord, I believe with all my heart, as we do that daily, you'll uh, change our perspective. You'll help us to see clearly from your way of seeing life. Lord, uh, it's good to be near you. It's good to daily be telling people around us how good you are all the time. We love you, Lord. Thanks uh, for the gift of this psalm. And finally, Lord, there might still be somebody watching right now who doesn't know your son, Jesus. And if you're listening and you've never known the joy of walking daily with Jesus as your good shepherd, if, if you've never had Jesus come into your life and change you from the inside out, right now where you're at, you can say yes to Jesus. Right, right where you're at, you can say, you know what, Jesus, I want to know you 
just like Asaph knows this, the God of the Bible here in Psalm 73. And, and right now, Jesus, I believe you took on human flesh and you did that for me. And Jesus, I believe you took my place on the cross. Jesus, I believe you shed your blood for my greatest problem. I'm a sinner, and your blood washes and cleanses and purifies me from all of my greatest problem as a sinner. Jesus, I believe you took my place in the grave. I, I believe you rose victoriously from the dead for me. And right now, right where you're at, Jesus, I open up the door of my life and I invite you in. I receive you as Savior and King and friend and good shepherd. Come take charge. <laughs> I, I, I want to know you like we just talked about here in Psalm 73. If you'll just let us know, Hey, uh, go to the church website, walloonchurch.com, let us know. Uh, we'll send you a Bible, no charge. We'll send you so, some good information to get you off to a strong start as a follower of Jesus Christ. We'd love to rejoice with you in that way. Next week, Lord willing, those of you who are ready, we're going to begin gathering in person once again in all three locations. Uh, you should be getting an email from us, and all it is, it's, could you help us know which service you think you'll be attending, and that will help us to make sure that we uh, have plenty of balance in the services, and we don't have one service that's overcrowded, and, and we're going to have limited seating. Uh, we have 700 seats here. We're going to be down to less than 200, so we need to balance those. So if you could go on the church website or call the church office, we'd love to know which service you're planning on being a part of. We'll be back on Facebook, YouTube, church website. For those of you who aren't ready to come back yet, we understand. Just want you to know this. We love you. Thank you for your faithful support these last three months. been Wow, 12 weeks before we're meeting again. See you soon. Lord bless you. We love you.